1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: All right, and we continue. This is Zach Gelb show coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. Former NFL and college quarterback, now ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky is going to join us coming up 40 minutes from now. We got to delve into the college football world. We know some jobs have opened up. As you did have Andy Avalos get fired from Boise State all within this past week. You saw Zach Garnett get fired from Mississippi State. And then the big one, Jimbo Fisher, getting paid over $70 million, getting fired as the head coach of Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is now on the Ed Orgeron plan, where you're getting paid a whole lot of money to not coach. And Orgeron only got like, I remember he said, you know, I got $30 million. Uh, to sit back and do nothing. So when you had that from Ed Orgeron, go Tigers, that was a big number. 70-something million dollars is just on a different planet. It really is. So I guess good for Jimbo Fisher? Even though personally, he's got to be gutted. He's got to be upset. Yeah, you get to that $70 million, that's wonderful. But you know how these coaches are. They're weird. They're wired a different way. You know, I think a lot of us sit back and go, oh, I could go sit on my ass and do nothing, and I get paid the full $70, $75, 76000000 million. That's awesome. But you know that Jimbo Fisher is going to be looking for that next opportunity. Now, I don't know where he's going to get that next opportunity. He'll get another job somewhere as a head coach, assuming he wants to continue to be a head coach. Maybe he goes into television. Who knows? But uh, now that a and job opens up, and that's going to be the most talked-about job and I don't think much is going to change. Another job is going to open up that's going to advance and usurp that AM job. Because AM has an incredible amount of resources. Look at the money that they just invested in the head coach. And also, two years ago, they were the number one uh, team in the nation in terms of recruiting. Now, it didn't translate onto the field, but they had the number one recruiting class. So you know they're all caught up to date with their boosters, NIL, and all that stuff. So that's a good job. Now, it gets tougher to win because the college football playoff is expanding to 12 next year. You're in the SEC, and we know that Georgia and Alabama are still the two top dogs. But we've seen schools not named Georgia, not named Alabama, win national championships, right? Like, look at LSU. They had three different coaches since 2000 win a national championship. With Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, and then Nick Saban. And when Nick Saban won that national championship, like you knew who he was. You knew he was a good coach. But you didn't know that he would go on to be the greatest college football coach of all time. So you can win at AM. You have the resources to win at AM. So there's been a few names that have been tossed out there. Two that have picked up a lot of national play. Coach Prime, at Colorado with the Buffaloes, who got off to that really good start, and then their lack of talent did catch up, and their poor play inside the trenches did catch up to them, and their season's now going the wrong way, where before the season it was, oh, they'll be lucky to get to a bowl game. And I remember Samter and I got into a heated argument this summer. Samter was like, seven, eight wins for this to be a success, and I'm like, oh, pump the brakes there, Santa. Four or five wins would be a heck of a year. But when you start off 3-0, you beat TCU, you beat Nebraska, and then you take care of business against Colorado State, and you're 3-0. You should be able, even if you're limping to the finish line, get to the finish line and get three more wins. But it doesn't look like this program is going to be in a bowl game, and it doesn't look like they're going to get to six wins. And they had an opportunity to win a game last week against Arizona, who's the top 25 team, and went right down to the wire, and they lost. You know, they've had some close games. They blew the game against Stanford. They're up by 29, and they lose in double overtime, 46 to 43. So there have been some games the last few weeks where they've been close, but close isn't good enough. And now you have two more opportunities, Washington State and Utah, to get to 6-6 six and six and become bowl eligible, and I don't think they're going to win both those games. I don't even know if they're going to win one of those games. So, at best, you're probably splitting, and then you're five and seven, and you're hoping it's one of those funky years where a below uh, 500 team gets a bowl invite. So, in all likelihood, they're not getting a bowl invite. So, Dion's name has been a hot name, and I could see why. Because, say what you want about how this has gone the last few weeks Dion brings buzz, Dion brings a, a certain pop to the program. And I said this going back to 2021. That if I was in SEC school, I'd hire Deion Sanders. I went right to the top of the Power Five. Had no problem with Deion Sanders if he got a uh, Power Five job and it was in the SEC. Now he goes to Colorado. I kind of expect Deion to stay. But I do wonder how many jobs come calling. Because even if he doesn't leave this offseason, this will set the stage For how much interest there is. And how much interest. Even though we've talked about it a lot. And other shows have talked about it a lot. And they've been thrown right into the national spotlight. Inside the college football world. Inside the presidents and athletic directors. How much interest did it drum up with them. And stir up with them. And I'm curious. How many legitimate schools come calling this offseason. For Dion. And if A&M comes calling. What job are you going to get. That's better than A&M. That's going to open up and that you're going to be in play for. And even though your sons are still there, Shador Sanders and Shiloh Sanders, and he's very close to Travis Hunter Jr. and he's still there, and we know that all three of those guys already transferred, so that complicates things. Would you be willing to leave after one year? For a and I know a lot of people would crush him for leaving. I think a lot of people would be annoyed and that would be a big story. I'd have no problem if he leaves for AM. Because you never know when a job like that opens up again. So here is um, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, getting asked in a press conference about Stephen A. Smith saying that A&M needs Deion Sanders and Coach Prime needs to go there.
3: Your thoughts on the Texas A&M coaching vacancy? Uh, I, mean, I want to win. I want to win a game. So you think I really do sit down and think about that kind of stuff? Like, what what strikes me about that, about myself, that you guys really think I sit down and say, ah, yeah, Stevie, yeah, yeah. Like, come on, come on, I'm good. Like, uh, we got to win. Let's let's focus on this week.
2: I'm going to use a great phrase that is credited to Deion Sanders. That sounded like a lot of bull junk to me. It really did. I get it. You could pull off the look of, I'm only focused on the game. I'm trying to win a game. And you could get some people like sycophants to believe that. I know it's tough for coaches to answer these questions. They get paid a lot of money, though, to answer these questions. You could kind of get fooled by a coach into when they say something. I remember Saban all those years ago when he said, there's no way that I'll be the head coach of the uh, of the Alabama Crimson Tide. There's no way. Like, he was adamant. You're like, okay, yeah, I kind of believe it. That wasn't even him denying it. Play that one more time, Stu. I just want to hear that one more time. He never denied it. He just said he's just focusing on winning a game. One more time.
3: Your thoughts on the Texas A&M coaching vacancy? Uh, Man, I want to win. I want to win a game. So you think I I really do sit down and think about that kind of stuff? (laughs) Like, what, what strikes me about that? about myself that you guys really think I sit down and say, ah, oh, yeah, Stevie hey yeah. hey, like, come on. Come on. I'm good. Like, uh, we got to win. Let's let's focus on this week.
2: Let me just throw out a random show. Like, let's say, you know, I got to briefly know Pat McAfee a little bit when Pat was here. And I had a great conversation with him one year at the Super Bowl where he sat down for like 25 minutes. Let's say there was rumors that Zach Gilb was having conversations with Pat McAfee or the Pat McAfee brand was interested in adding me on their show. And I get asked about this and I go, "I'm just trying to have a good show. You know, I don't pay attention to uh guys like Pat McAfee that are begging me to to go to their job or people are advocating for me to go work with them. Like I don't focus on that show. I'm just focused on my show. I'm just trying to have a great show today." I say that, everyone's reaction would be, "He's gone. If they come calling, he's gone, he's interested. And that's what I kind of gathered from Coach Prime there. He didn't dismiss it. He didn't refute it. He didn't say no, no chance. And he was just focused on the now in the present. That sounds like to me, A&M comes calling, he's listening, he's contemplating it, and they offer him... X amount of dollars and are on board with his vision, he'd leave Colorado after one year, even if that means leaving his sons at Colorado. And you know what? Things could change. Things could change. Shador Sanders could leave Colorado. He'd go right to the NFL. I'm sure there'd be a team that would draft Shiloh Sanders too. Santa, what did you think about that? You've been around the, the business for a while. You've heard a lot of in this uh, national radio landscape, a lot of college coaches say, yeah, it's not going to happen. Or I'm just focused on winning a game. Whatever the, the typical company line is. A&M comes calling is, is uh, they offer him the job. Does Dion take it? That's my question.
4: I honestly think that he's tied to Shiloh and Shador. He's already brought them one place. I don't think they would get a,
2: no, you wouldn't. No, I don't think you get a waiver.
4: They wouldn't get a waiver. So if they want to get to the NFL after this year, maybe, right? If they go, but he keeps saying they're coming back next year. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that he's going to a and M. I I think that he's going to stay in Colorado because of his sons, because he says they're not going to the NFL yet, and they're not going to be able to get a waiver to go to A&M. So I don't think that it behooves him to go to AM at this point, unless his sons are like, you know what, we're riding the hot hand, we're going to go to the NFL. Which he is can't... definitely implied. Yeah, and he can't talk them out of it. They're they're adults, right? Yeah. They're over 18 years old. They can't make their own decisions. Well, that's the other thing. To my knowledge, and we hear more from Coach
2: Prime, you hear a little bit from, from uh, Shador Sanders, a little bit from Shiloh Sanders, but mainly from Coach Prime. They've said it. You know, excuse me, he said it. So with that being said, I do believe the family right there preference would be stay together for one more year. But Coach Prime gets that job offer from A from AM, I take it. I take it. And I know it could be awkward and it's a it could be a weird family dynamic right there. I think Shador's ready to go embark on an NFL journey. I do. Shiloh could get drafted. And he could make an NFL roster. And yes, it's not ideal, but I, I I think that it's a tough component, no doubt about it. But even though AM's calling right now, what happens if next year they don't have a good season? There'll be teams that come calling because of the buzz that Dion brings to a university, but maybe not as good of a job as AM. And AM is a very good job. Now, here's the big name, I think. Here is a name of a guy having success right now, is at a really good job, and his name keeps on getting floated out there. I've even thrown it out there. Dan Lanning, the second-year head coach at Oregon, who has a chance to go to the college football playoff this year. Let's hear from Coach Lanning on his interest in AM. I think I've been really, really clear here since day one. Uh, everything I want exists right here. I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. Um, I've got unfinished business here. There's a lot that I want to accomplish uh, here at Oregon. My number one priority is being elite um, here at Oregon. I think we need to remember history here. I like Dan Lanning. I think Dan Lanning is a very sharp, young, good football coach. Dan Landing needs to look no further than the institution that he's at right now. Remember Willie Taggart? Willie Taggart was at Oregon. Willie Taggart was fine for one season. The moment Florida State came calling goodbye to Oregon, which is a good job, a very good job. And Willie Taggart at Florida State was a disaster. Five and seven, four and five, fired. Then after that, he coached a few years at Florida Atlantic. You don't want to become Willie Taggart where I remember Willie Taggart at South Florida being an alum of Temple University and what he did at South Florida inside that American Athletic Conference, he was a hot name. You could very quickly go from the hot name, the guy that gets the big job, to then becoming a zero. And I think the world of Dan Lanning. But you have things rolling right now. You have things humming with the Ducks. I'm not leaving that job. You have good stability. That team's now going to the Big Ten. You got a monster brand. You got Phil Knight. Even though AM has all the resources and AM SEC and he has SEC roots, I'm not leaving what's working. Dan Landing needs to learn from Willie Taggart. Just because another school comes calling with a big brand and they offer you a boatload of cash, don't leave where it's working. And not only is it working at Oregon right now, it's thriving, and there's a good chance they win the Pac-12 this year, and there's a really good chance they're in the college football playoff. I think Dan Landing at this stage of his career would be foolish, and I like him a lot. I think he would be foolish, and I'd say this to him on the air right now if he joined us, to leave Oregon to go to Texas A&M. Zach Gelb here with you on CBS Sports Radio. We will take a timeout. When we come on back, we got a little reaction, overreaction, proper reaction to Week 10 of the NFL season.
5: Another NFL week is complete, which means it's another week to freak out about your favorite team. Which takes are truly crazy. But sometimes a game can be so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? And which are so crazy, they might be right.
3: He's 6'5", he's 245 pounds. He's probably a Popeye's biscuit away from being a
5: tight end. Zach lets you know in this week's edition of Overreaction or Proper Reaction.
2: Dan Orlovsky going to join us coming up 20 minutes from now. But first, it's Overreaction, Proper Reaction. Big Mike CBS, Moist Mike, Michael Samter, What do you got for us today?
4: The Cowboys crushed the Giants, uh, but got some bad news. as linebacker Leighton Vanderush, Esch, who's on the IR, was ruled out for the rest of the season. An injury, Jerry Jones called, "quote very significant loss for us." So, overreaction, proper reaction. The Cowboys will seriously miss Vanderesh.
2: I've always been a big fan of Laiden Vanderesh. He was incredible at Boise State. Had a remarkable year one back in 2018. But ever since then, unfortunately, you've had injuries impact his career, where he's only played a full season since his rookie season one other time, and that was 2021. So they know how to navigate life. Without Leighton Van Der Esch, you clearly would prefer for him to be on the field and healthy than hurt, obvious statement. But I don't believe the defense is what's going to determine or make or break this Cowboys season. The defense is good. I know they've lost Trayvon Diggs for the year, and now they have lost Leighton Van for the year. And it is a big loss, but you could survive that loss. Ultimately, it's going to come down to, can Ford, can the quarterback, Dak Prescott, with the game on the line in a big game, and a bit, uh, against a big time opponent, can he get the job done? Because the last two years against the 49ers, nope, and nope. So this does not impact number four on the field and the offensive side of the ball. So when you ask me the Cowboys will seriously miss Van Der Esch, I will say that is an overreaction.
4: Now, the Jets' offense, we talked about this yesterday. They scored just three offensive touchdowns in the past five games with That's Zach Wilson crazy. throwing just one touchdown pass in that span. One touchdown. In five games,
2: and the Steelers are six and three with Kenny Pickett only throwing six passing touchdowns on the year. And they said we're supposed to have great offense in the year of 2023 in the NFL. What happened to that
4: offense? Yeah, quarterbacks are getting worse. Apparently, yesterday Robert Sala defended Wilson.
1: When speaking about Zach, you know, I I, I get it. You know, there's 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 a yearning for more or whatever it is, but. I, I, I feel like he played a good game yesterday. Um, it is hard to make changes just to make changes, uh, just to pacify something, and especially when someone's not deserving. If he was deserving of it, I got gotcha. you. Like, let's change something. To say that one person is the reason for everyone failing, I, I don't. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right.
2: Let me just say this before you continue the question. I would respect Salah if he's criticized the kid one time this year. All he does is carry Zach Wilson's water. Stop. Just stop. I'm not even telling you he's the reason why they lost the game up against the Raiders. He wasn't the worst player. He wasn't the biggest problem on the field. But even in a game where he was like, eh, okay, you didn't score a touchdown. And at the end of the game where they were finally driving, he threw an interception. So, Salah, you're starting to make this a Saturday night live skit with just, you're slobbering and you putting, like, kitty gloves on your hands and basically bumpers up at the bowling lane when talking about Zach Wilson. All right, continue the question.
4: So anyway, and listen, if you watch the game, like, you, like he said and like what you said. I watched it. Zach Wilson, he wasn't terrible. There okay, were a lot of dr- but that's the problem. He wasn't terrible. Right. No one's saying he's good. But my point is that of the reasons why the Jets' offense sputtered, he was like the fourth or fifth biggest reason. The offensive line not blocking, stupid penalties, bad turnovers, and drop sure. balls Alan were Lazar. the reason. Alan Lazard, CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, mm-hmm. a bunch of different terrible penalties. And with the, the game of the line, who threw the pick? What? And with the game of the line, who threw the pick? And, but that's, again, he was the fourth or fifth biggest reason. There were multiple drives that he was rolling Drop pass, drop pass, penalty. Penalty, drop pass, fumble, whatever. So at the end of the day, like he's bad, but he's not the only reason why the offense sucks.
2: And what Salah's doing here is putting lipstick on a pig. And when you put lipstick on a pig... She looks pretty. It's still an ugly pig. I still say, chop that pig up and give me some bacon.
4: I bet you she tastes delicious with the (laughs) lipstick or not. I don't care.
2: And Peter, don't come call it.
4: So, anyway, as we discussed, Zach Wills, an overreaction or proper reaction, the Jets should start back up Tim Boyle or even go farther onto the practice squad with Trevor Simeon.
2: That's a proper reaction. It's been enough. You want to see Tim Boyle? It can't get any worse. And, and if, if it does we are talking tried. about Tim Boyle. Yeah, that's fine. And if it was Pat Boyle on the field, I would love to see Pat Boyle get smacked around a few times. It'd be fun. But come on. At this rate, there's no alternative. There's no hope with Zach Wilson. Your your case for Zach Wilson was he wasn't the biggest problem. He still stinks. But I can't say he's good. He still stinks. But there's other reasons. Enough. Just try something else. There are some bad quarterbacks starting right now that look competent. And I'm not saying the Jets don't have other issues. They have a lot of issues on the offensive side of the ball. But you got to just try something else because right now it's not working. So, yeah, let me see at least what Tim Boyle could do. Pat Boyle, Tim Boyle, Pat Boyle. Are they related? Just try.
4: Now, the Colts have won two straight. I'll bite over the Panthers and Pats, so I don't know if that really counts. <laughs> but Gardner Minshew improved to 3-3 three and three as a starter. He's 5-4 and four in games in which he's played because, obviously, Anthony Richardson's been hurt a lot. Over his career, Minshew has thrown 52 touchdowns to just 21 picks and 30 starts, 42 overall games. hmm Overreaction, proper reaction. Maybe not an Indy, but Gardner Minshew can be an effective starter in the NFL.
2: Yeah, proper reaction. The Jets. The Jets may make the playoffs if they had Gardner Minshew. There's a take for you. Isn't that crazy? Put that in your pipe and and smoke it, all right? I would love to have
4: Minshew Magic (laughs) on that team.
2: (laughs) With the mustache in New
4: York? Oh, my God. I'd I'd have a Minshew jersey already. Minshew Mania at MetLife Stadium. I might go get myself a Jets Minshew jersey and go back to being a Jets fan, even if they don't sign him, just because I love Minshew that much.
2: That would be fun. All righty, yeah. Gardner Minshew can be an effective starter with the Jets. There you go. Proper reaction.
4: Now, we talked a lot about this team yesterday, and you ripped them apart. The Did Jags. I? Well, I mean, oh, a little yeah. bit.
5: Yeah,
2: well, they the deserve-
4: Jags, they fell to 6-3 and three after their blowout to the Niners. Trevor Lawrence continues to be an enigma. The former number one overall pick has thrown more than one touchdown pass, in the game just twice this year and had 11 games with one or fewer touchdown passes last year, including in the playoffs. So overreaction, proper reaction, Trevor Lawrence will never live up to the high expectations that he had when he entered the NFL.
2: So let me be clear, because it's the way the question is worded. It's will he live up to the high expectations when he entered the NFL? So those expectations were generational quarterback, Best quarterback in the league, all-time great, is going to change football. He's a really, really good quarterback. Finally, with good coaching last year, he got to the second round of the playoffs. I still believe you're going to walk away from Trevor Lawrence's career and say he's a great quarterback. But changing the game, being the best quarterback in the sport, being this unicorn, something that we've never seen, truly one of one, or being him – as the kids would say, no, He'll be a top five quarterback in the league, Hall of Fame potential. Oh, I think he can make the Hall of Fame. Okay, but you can make the Hall of Fame and not change the sport. You can make the Hall of Fame and, in some way, sounds weird saying this, still not meet the hype where you were supposed to be going into the NFL. And that's how big the hype was for Trevor Lawrence. You said Trevor Lawrence will never live up to the high expectations when he entered the NFL. I think it's a proper reaction. Because he's going to be great, but it's with how crazy the expectations were. It was all, 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 all time great. And I don't think when he retires, we're going to look at him as a top five quarterback in the history of the National Football League.
4: Now, the Vikings, they won their fifth straight and second in a row thanks to the newcomer Joshua Dobbs, who just continues to impress week in and week out.
2: Can you take me higher?
4: No, thank you, sir.
2: You don't like Creed? I love Creed.
4: You know what? Scott staff just rubbed me the wrong way. He's just a little bit weird to me. All right. And something about Creed just never really worked for me. But that song is very catchy. It is. Now, we know that obviously injured 35-year-old quarterback Kirk Cousins is a free agent after this season and is 50-37-1 as the Viking signal caller. So overreaction, proper reaction, the Vikings should bring back Kirk Cousins next year.
2: I think the Vikings are going to be a happening destination. Now, I still think there's a chance, even though Brock Purdy played well last week, that it doesn't end well this season for the 49ers. They're interested in Kirk Cousins. But if this is like two more years of Kirk Cousins, I wouldn't be opposed of it. So when you say the Vikings should bring back Kirk Cousins, yes, it's definitely something that they should consider. I don't think that's an overreaction. I actually think that's a proper reaction.
4: Now, the New York Giants, are, speaking of these New York teams, they are Remember New fired. York football?
2: is Hope coming off a great season for the Giants, and the Jets had Aaron Rodgers. We're not even ready to serve the lasagna or serve the turkey on Thanksgiving. Turkey. Whatever your lasagna. choice of preference is, if you're yeah. a sheep and you like to uh, serve uh, turkey, bah. go ahead. Bah. If you like Thanksgiving and do Thanksgiving bah. the right way and and actually enjoy your meal, it's a lasagna. Um, but both New York football teams have no hope going into Thanksgiving. And we still have a little over a week. Until Thanksgiving,
4: and if you think about the third New York team in Buffalo, think about what expectations were before the season (laughs) and what they are now with the three New York teams. Now the Giants, remember
2: all those Bills fans? Yeah, the real New York team. Oh, you guys stink as well right now.
4: Now they fall to two and eight. The Giants—they've been outscored by league worst. Get this. 148 points. That's not good. A negative 148 differential, which is a 100 points more than the next worst team, the Patriots, which were at minus 97. And
2: they suck the Patriots. It
4: is crazy. Now, overreaction, proper reaction, Brian Dayball is on the hot seat.
2: I don't think so. Now, we know the Mara family has moved quickly through the last few years through a bunch of coaches. He just won coach of the year last year. They don't have a ton of talent. They are dreadful, though. I thought they would regress this year. I didn't think they would face plant. Um, he'll get a third season because if you fire another coach, you go to like the Browns a few years ago where every year or two, you're hiring a new GM and a new head coach. Um, I do believe Dayball is going to be back for a third season. So I will say that is an overreaction when you ask me if Brian Dayball right now is on the hot seat, but he'll enter next year on the hot seat. Just not right now.
4: Now, last one. This is a very interesting inside the statistics kind of question. Now, Justin Fields has missed time for the Bears. Tyson Badgett hasn't looked terrible, winning two of his five starts. More notably, and this is where it gets interesting, Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Badgett has been sacked on just 3.4% of his dropbacks, which is the best in the NFL. Compared to Fields, who is getting sacked 13% of the time, 32nd best in the NFL. So, clearly, the offensive line hasn't changed for the Bears. The only thing that's changed is the quarterback Mm -hmm. back there. So, overreaction, proper reaction, Badgett should get us a legit shot to win the job even when Fields returns.
2: I don't even know if the Bears should play Justin Fields, and I don't know if Justin Fields should even want to play because you know you're heading to a divorce. Like, who I think is the better player? I still think that Justin Fields is the better player than Tyson Bajit, but I don't see for both sides why it behooves one side or the other to actually play because Fields, you know you're going to your next team and the Bears stink. And for the Bears, the stock of Justin Fields, I think most people look at Justin Fields and say, yeah, he has to prove it, but we think the Bears messed him up and there would be enough teams that are interested. So I'm going to say when you ask me, Bajan should get a legit shot to win the job when Fields return. I'm going to go proper reaction because I don't think it benefits the Bears to play Justin Fields anymore it's not really an endorsement of and it's more so it doesn't make sense to play fields with the fact that you're going to trade him coming up at the end of the year so that's a little overreaction proper reaction is is Zach Yelp show on cbs sports radio let's take a break we'll delve into this bill situation next also go around the league with former nfl quarterback and current espn analyst dan orlovsky when he joins us on the other side but standing by first with the latest cbs sports radio update here he is the act man rich ackerman Zach Gelb, show CBS Sports Radio. Let's head out to the guest line right now. Welcome in former NFL and college quarterback, now a superstar at ESPN. And that is the great Dan Orlovsky here with us. Dan, appreciate the time as always. How you been, my friend? I'm doing
3: good, bud. How are you doing, man?
2: Well, I'm doing fantastic. I know it's been a while, but appreciate you jumping on board today as it's very busy for you uh, during football season. Let me start you off with the Bills. We know the story now. Another disappointing loss. You see Ken Dorsey get fired today. Joe Brady's taking over as the offensive coordinator, if Joe called you and said, Dan, I evaluate your insight. I want to know how to change the Bills' offense and get this thing
3: fixed. What would you say to him? Number one, take the quarterback, put him under center for at least 30% of your offensive snaps. Um, I think not only does that help Josh, it helps their offensive line, it helps the receivers. Uh, Number two, they're great at it. It's not just kind of... So, Zach, so when you go under center and you run the football a little bit and you tie that run action to play action, everybody's job is easier. The offensive line, their job is easier. Um, the receivers have more time to get open down the field. Josh has got maybe a little clearer windows. They can create explosive plays, which they've been very bad at this year. So starting point, that. Number two, got to get less predictable. When they line up in their two-by-two, two, two guys on the right, two guys on the left, shotgun, they're running really one of two plays. An RPO or a short end to Stephon Diggs. Um, so the predictability of their offense is is, is got to be they've got to become more varied in their stuff. Number three, they got to build more pass game through Steph as the number one guy. We're, we are trying to get the ball to Stefan Diggs, and we're not trying to throw him five yard passes. We're trying to throw the ball into some chunks and some explosive elements down the field to him. So. Um, there's, there's more to that, but those are like those three starting points that I would sit here and say, that's got to be something that changes.
2: I don't think it's salvageable in terms of Sean McDermott. I just think that relationship, and I like Sean a lot, it's run its course now, and they've reached an, an apex under Sean, and I think they need a new voice in. You know, I know it's easy, and I led this show off today saying with the stuff going on at Michigan, maybe Harbaugh's looking to go back to the NFL. I keep on going to Harbaugh. And the Bills, and it just feels like the perfect fit. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Wow. Yeah. Um, so in relation to Harbaugh and the Bills, I, I, Harbaugh's track record speaks for himself when it comes to success, when it comes to his development and usage of young quarterbacks, you know, and, and, uh, and getting those guys to play at high levels. So I don't – whether it's Buffalo or any team that might bring him on board, like, it makes sense. He's, he, he Again, the track record speaks for itself. I don't know if I'm there with Sean McDermott just yet, Zach. Um, I remember four or five weeks into the season, this season, this was the number one offense in football. Josh was playing MVP-level football, and it was arguably the best team in ball. And then ever since, like, that, that um, you know, almost like going over to London, it feels like this is a different football team now. Part of that is injuries, obviously, and the demise of the offense, so, I still think that there are things that could be righted for this football team to get back into that mix. Their next month is brutal, um, but I'm not ready to say it's it, you know it's Sean McDermott's not their future as the head coach. Dan Orlovsky
2: here with us. How do you view Russell Wilson now as a quarterback?
3: Yeah, Russell's playing good football. It's is it clean football? No. Is it uh, ball distribution on time in rhythm football? No, but that's not who Russell is. And I think myself and other people maybe kid ourselves when they got Sean Payton thinking he would become that. He's not. But some of that playmaking and elusiveness is back. And so Russell Wilson's played good football. And I, you no know, Zach, we were, I was asked this maybe six weeks ago by Greeny. Five weeks ago, he was like, "Man, Russell's playing bad." And You know, should they be thinking about the future? And my point was, if Russell keeps playing the way that he has played the first month, they won't, and they won't need to. And I kind of still remain adamant about that is, if Russell continues to play this way, the quarterback question in Denver, at least for the short term, is going to be Russell Wilson.
2: You know, it's kind of funny, because for the last nine, ten weeks, all we've done and I've been guilty of this, say, Russ is probably going to be gone for the Broncos after this year because that was the conversation before the start of the season. And even the same thing was said about Kyler Murray. When was he going to get back? He comes back, and uh, Kyler Murray wins a game for the Cardinals, only their second victory of the season. Right now it feels like, Dan, Kyler next year going to be back with the Cardinals. And also, like you just said, uh, it does feel like that Russell's going to be back with the Denver Broncos.
3: Yeah, it feels that way with Denver. And part of that narrative with the Russell-Denver situation, Zach, was they were so bad. And it was, well, this team's going to have, like, the first or second pick in the draft potentially. So it it was – it would, we know how special some of these quarterbacks coming out. So now that the team is doing better and Russell's playing well, mid-November doesn't feel like they're going to have one of those early draft picks. Um, In relation to Kyler in Arizona, I was – in many ways, blown away by what Kyler did on Sunday. Did not look like a guy who missed a year of football. Did not look like a guy who came off ACL surgery. It's one game, you know. Like played really well. It's impressive. Great start. Hats off to him. I want to see if he can continue to string it together. Um, I think the more, you know, impactful parts of the Kyler conversation is, to my knowledge, his contract extension doesn't actually start until next year. So. Like while moving on from him might be a thought, financially it's just gonna be outrageous because you're gonna be you're never gonna get performance from that contract at all. So he keeps playing the way he did on Sunday, and because of the makings of the contract, I can see it.
2: Wrap it up with Dan Orlovsky, I saw your colleague at ESPN Dominique Foxworth said that right now Dak Prescott is playing like he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I disagree with that. I would not even say that he's the best quarterback in the state of Texas right now. I think C.J. Stroud's playing better football against better teams than Dak Prescott is. Uh, How'd you react to that when you heard that today on Get Up?
3: Yeah, I love Fox. Yeah, I I agree. C.J.'s played better. Dak's played really good. He's had one awful game, but he's played really good. He beat the Giants, who have been just falling apart over the last couple weeks and decimated by injuries. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's played quarterback better than Jared Goff has played. I don't think he's played quarterback better than Tua Tunga has played. I don't know if he's played better than, than Jalen Hurts, even though Jalen has had some interceptions that have been uncharacteristic. So that is, that is a true thing. Uh, so I, I don't know if, uh, you know, Dak has been, you know, unbelievable played great against Philly a couple weeks ago. I think that was more of a Philly thing than an unbelievable Dak thing. So uh, we'll see when, when he plays against, like, Detroit here in a couple weeks, how they play and whatnot. But I, I will give him credit. He's playing good good football.
2: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, about the Lions. What are your expectations for them the rest of the way? Because they are maybe the easiest team to root for and pull for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, I think the NFC is two clear teams, San Francisco and Philadelphia. And then there is a group of Dallas and Detroit that probably is in that second tier. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to put Seattle in that yet, but they could be in that conversation. Detroit can go score with anybody. Uh, And and how you want them to score, you want them to throw it, you want them to run it, you want them to screen you. However, um, I think the concern is can they be good enough on defense? They're definitely better than they were last year, but can they be good enough against teams that can score, which is obviously those three teams in the NFC that I just mentioned outside of Detroit, to give their offense a chance? Uh, I think that's going to be the unknown. Uh, some of the injuries on their back end have played a part in that, and they got to get pass rush outside of Aiden. Uh, but they can go score with anybody, man. So I do think that they will be in the mix for that Final Four NFC group.
2: Your best educated guest, Dan Orlovsky. Where is Bill Belichick coaching next year?
3: <laughs> well done. Um let me let, let, I'll answer it this way, Zach. I don't think that Coach Belichick is coaching in New England. And that's shocking to say.
2: Do you think he's potentially coaching with the Commanders or the Chargers, Dan, next year?
3: Um, uh, I think if both those teams make decisions to move on from their guys, they're I would. The Chargers are intriguing because of Justin. Um, what happens in Chicago? What happens in Washington? Um, gosh, I hope Arthur Smith keeps in Atlanta because I'm a big Arthur Smith guy. So, um, I, I think all of those organizations, in any organization that decides if and when they move on from their coach, is probably going to call Belichick and/or the Patriots to see what their situation is. Uh, but I don't. I. I way things are going in New England, it just doesn't feel like he's going to be there.
2: You know Belichick loves the Giants. Could the Giants maybe be in play? I don't think they're going to move on from Dable after two years, but does Belichick change the equation?
3: Wow. Um, I don't know if he would do that because the ties to the Patriots and you know, maybe out of respect with that. Uh, and I, I, I'm with you. I, I hope the Giants don't move on from Brian Dable because I'm a fan.
2: Gotcha. So have I said the team yet that you supposedly know? I saw this clip go viral today. Have I said the team uh, yet? Like that's what I'm trying to figure out here. I was trying to be slick, oh, I but I guess I wasn't.
3: Oh no, 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 no! I I know I know what you're trying to do. It's well done. Um, <laughs> again, I, you hear rumors all the time about stuff, you know. So it's like it, that's. Yeah, I heard this rumor. I've never heard it before, but it, it was surprising because it's Coach Belichick to me. So um, I, I, who knows if it, if it's got legs or whatnot? But I, I do. I do. in I, I'm closer now to believing it's not New England.
2: Gotcha. Come on, Dan.
3: Just between you and I. Who's the team? Let's go. We've been
2: friends for years. (laughs) I got you. I'll let you run. I appreciate the time. Uh, You've been awesome on ESPN. I enjoy watching you talk about football wherever it is. Uh, Thanks so much for doing this and you be well.
3: All right, buddy. Thanks, man.
2: There you go. Dan Orlovsky joining us. I felt like I was interrogating him. You know, I should have been like Jack Bauer. You better start giving me the answers right now. I'm going to be cutting off your fingers, Orlovsky. I saw that clip with McAfee today. He's been hearing some rumors, hearing some rumors. And I kind of agree with him. I don't think Bill Belichick is back at one Patriot place next year. All righty. It is a Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. That concludes our Tuesday extravaganza. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Chris Jenkins from the Michigan football team will join us. We will also have a take five Wednesday. I'll give you my top five teams in college football and also the NFL, and we'll have our latest college football playoff rankings. Are we going to see Michigan, Georgia, take Ohio State down for that number one spot? Or will the committee stay status quo with what they have done so far? Fun show today. Big thanks to everyone for checking us out on the radio or in the YouTube chat. Also, I'd like to thank Moist Mike, Stuart Kovacs as well, and my guest Dan Orlowski, who you just heard, and Angelo Cataldi. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody, at 6 uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. Man, it's in the old time slot. 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Come on, Gelb. Get us to the finish line. All righty, we out. Bye-bye. Peace.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.